0: What up, world? It's Pass First, point guard, and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent ya. Today's episode is our latest edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, there are two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Rich on Twitter. You can just send me a question whenever you're thinking of it, but it helps if you tag it as mailbag, so I kind of know that you're not just, uh, you know, tweeting at me for, for the sake of sharing an opinion, which is the thing that people use that website for. Or you can wait till Mondays, Watch my Twitter account on Mondays, typically Monday morning, sometimes a little later in the afternoon, depending on what my day is like at my other job. When I send out a tweet soliciting your questions, you respond to that tweet. I'll do my best to get you in the show or a future show. I save all the tweets that uh, if you respond to that specific tweet, I'll save it and I will use it in the future for sure. If you're not a Twitter user or just someone who doesn't tweet, you can always email me LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com is the address, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. And if you forget any of that information, it is waiting for you in the episode description of this very episode. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears. So without further ado, the first question comes from Burlicious underscore M at Burlicious underscore M on Twitter who asks, what is the most realistic remaining free agent move we can make that improve us the most? That's double collective pronouns. Well done, Berlicious. So the Blazers have officially signed Greg Brown Jr., bringing their total number of guaranteed contracts on the roster, total number of players on the roster to thirteen. Uh, according to reporting from Jason Quick of the Athletic, the Blazers are very, very likely to go into the season, or are rather, I should say. Jason reported they are. We don't need to, We don't need to couch that one. Uh, going to going to go into the season with 14 players they're going to keep a roster spot open so they can um maintain the F word which is just flexibility but it's also not be cheaper the thing that they're doing is being cheaper uh, they're already a shade into the luxury tax. They've got about half a million dollars in luxury tax payments. It's just that's how this roster is going to have to be. It's just about how far you're willing to go into the luxury tax and to this point, it doesn't seem like the Blazers are going to go particularly far. Notably about the Greg Brown signing though, they gave him a three-year deal and to sign a second round pick to a, to that type of deal, you have to use part of the taxpayer mid-level exception. They just use a, a small portion of it just to just so they could add on that third year. It's guaranteed for two, for two years, partially guaranteed in year three. It's very similar to the deal they gave Gary Trent Jr. Neil she's good at recognizing talent in the second round. He typically does a good job. Um I, I'm willing to wager that Greg Brown was his guy. You know, you know, traded cash in a future pick to go, get his guy, and then paid him like his former guy, Gary Trent Jr. Um, this probably bodes well for Greg Brown in a couple of years, but in the immediate future, it means Greg Brown's on the team and the Blazers have a little bit less to work with in, in uh in free agency the amount they gave to greg brown's negligible in terms of like like truly truly attracting a free agent um they were just they were down to not having many tools and if it's four hundred thousand dollars is the difference in attracting a guy for one season here uh, particularly at sort of the vet level then it wasn't really about the money so i don't i don't think it is but it is important that they've already they've used a portion of it so even their max amount they could offer to someone is limited it's almost certain that the last person that they'll sign is to a veteran minimum contract track they can use the remaining portion of the taxpayer mid-low exception and a veteran minimum uh, it, it's very likely at this point to be a veteran minimum so what is like with with that being sort of the state of affairs here the most realistic free agent move they can they could use to upgrade the team is something like signing norvel pell <laughs> uh backup big man who played who's played for the sixers and the knicks um pretty limited offensive ability but plays hard and blocks shots is like a third-string center in the league, but that's kind of who they're shopping for. Um, I think the Paul Millsap dream is probably done. Uh, you know, if he were going to sign here, he probably would have done so when the Blazers had the full taxpayerment level yada 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 now if he's looking at minimum contracts is, does he want a minimum here uh where there's even even like some a question of sort of roster crunch about where exactly he would fit like he would play but it's like where exactly he would fit or is he just going to go play for a team that's a little bit closer to a title um I don't think I think the millsap dream is dead although I would have I would have been a big fan of it and if it does work out for the blazers I'll still be a big fan of Paul milsap at the minimum uh or or at Paul millsap at a portion of the mid level exception but the most realistic. I mean, they need they need tall. Blazers need tall players. They don't have many guys above six foot eight on the roster. And even if that's okay at the four, they just need center depth. And and the the guy doesn't have to be a straight up center, but someone who can play a little bit of center for sure. I think is who you need at the depth of that position. So it's somebody like Norvell Pell or D J Wilson. Um, if you don't know who those names are, that those are those are names of people who are like the 14th, the 15th man on NBA rosters. Next question comes from Brandon Goldner at Goldner, Goldner PDX on Twitter, who asks, Curious your thoughts regarding Dame's defense. If your best player is an elite offensive player, and he's asked to be a less elite offensive player in favor of going from a bad to a below average defender for a good team, you kind of need him on board for that move, Right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of a leading question, Brandon. Uh, this is not, um, this is maybe not your best work in like the legal world, but uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to consider. Is like. The Blazers need to be better on defense. To be better on defense, they need Dame to be better on that end. He was really, really bad last year. And so they need him to kind of commit more on that end. But part of committing more on that end is just like an energy level. Like how much can he really, if he's asked to just to do so, so much on offense, like how much can he realistically commit to being good on defense? And if he does commit to being realistically good, like better on defense, can, does he still, is he still one of the five best offensive players in the league? Like, is he still, um, you know, just an absolute fireball? on the other end uh, if he's not if he is making that downgrade from a volcano to campfire on offense like is it really worth it on defense I think that's the trade-off here and I think the idea and the idea with sort of the Chauncey Billups philosophy and we don't know what it's going to be like but Chauncey Billups is saying the right things In an interview with the Oregonian he talked all about you know not having to rely so much on Dame more ball movement more player movement generating more catch and shoot threes generating more corner threes and, and and holding people accountable on defense. But I think the two go hand in hand, which is what Brandon is pointing to here, right? Like you want, in theory, the offense would be a little bit better. So Dame isn't a less elite offensive player right but he's he's tasked with a slightly you know whatever 7% less of a burden on offense and he can allocate that much of his energy to being simply a below average defender on defense he just can't be t- he can't let Faku Kompazo blow past him to the rim and then try to go score 55 points on nearly perfect shooting like it's there is there has to be some sort of happy medium where like in the first quarter of that game you play defense against Faku freaking Kompazo um it's it, it like in theory, I think Billups is saying the right thing. We're gonna take some take some of the offensive load off Dame, take some of the pressure off Dame. Use make a more egalitarian approach to offense where we can still use all of our firepower, but use it in a smarter way. And that way, when when the ask is you have to buy in and play hard on defense, you have then then there's like so, something left in the tank for Dame to do that. Um, those are the right things that you want a coach to say. I am super curious if if um, if it works because uh, the challenge of an NBA coach is not the X's and O's; it's the buy-in. And I think Chauncey seems like a kind of guy that players would listen to, and that's the appeal. Uh, but what, let's let's see let's let's see what's next because that's what I'm really I'm really curious about. But yeah, I think this is the balance, right? Is that make the offense easier so Dame can be better on defense and the team can can take a step forward in that direction. Along those same lines, luxury tax, uh, a Twitter user who who sends me the following question, you often mention how you think coaching doesn't impact the team as much as other people think it does, but we all collectively watched an ISO-heavy first-round exit Warriors team coached by Mark Jackson became a ball-movement-oriented first seed and won a championship with Steve Kerr immediately after Kerr was hired. What's to say Billups can't do the same in his first year? I think this does mischaracterize my opinion of NBA coaching. so let me be clear I think NBA I think the most important thing on an NBA team is the roster is the talent on the roster and it's something at it's something like five eighths maybe three quarters of of the importance like it's it is heavily heavily the most important thing like it's not i don't think it's you know i don't think it's 50-50 i don't and, and i think it's i think it's probably more than 60-40 like i, I think it's i think it's something like 70% of the importance of a, of an nba team success comes down to a who who's on the court and really the most important thing that steve Kerr did was put another player on the court uh, david lee got hurt and they put draymond green on the court and then when you have these guys who are just like a bunch of passers and a bunch and high level shooters around Draymond who wants to be this natural facilitator, natural fly around defender, like is a player that fits the style. They were unlocked. They were juggernaut. They went nuts. They won 67 games in the championship in Steve Kerr's first year. They came back and won 73 games because people called him a fluke. And then, Monty Eunice's Monta back sweat hurt Steph Curry for a little bit uh, and, and Draymond Green hit uh, LeBron James below the belt and y'all know how the 2016 championship ended. So, yeah, they were incredible and some of it was just scheme stuff. But I think the biggest thing was they unlocked a lineup that made them incredible. They found the death lineup and they found the death lineup in part because David Lee was hurt. Um, so, I think coaching matters. Like, I think Steve Kerr was a better coach, and he unlocked a better style. But the thing that made the Warriors so good was they had a generational talent in Steph Curry. Um, you know, they had Klay Thompson. They had Andre Iguodala, They had Draymond Green. Those are four Hall of Famers, probably. Uh, you know, their fifth best player was the much-maligned uh, Harrison Barnes, Andrew Boga was a really good, uh, passing center for exactly the style they wanted to play. Like it all made sense, right? Like it all, it all fit together in this in a really meaningful way. Like, uh, Sean Livingston was gigantic. So it allowed them to just like be always have these like six, seven dudes on the court. Like they were just really big in a way the Blazers aren't. So, well, I think there's something to it. And I also think like, I think, the sort of this Billups, what the things that Billups are saying is like more accountability on defense, more ball movement, generating more catch and shoot looks for an elite shooting team. This is all good stuff. It's all what you want to hear, and it's and the Blazers are very likely to be better this season. I think I've consistently said that. That you can just look at the team, consider the health, and consider sort of like maybe maybe not even the upgrade from coaching, but the willingness to listen to a new coach, like the what what fresh like the the buy-in that just a fresh voice will offer, you know, I think there's just sort of that boost from listening listening to a new voice could offer. Um, that is to say, like, even if it is like a total huge X's and O's upgrade, even if it's not a huge X's and O's upgrade, just just the buy-in factor alone should make the Blazers better. Like, they're, they're likely to have, be better this season. But the idea that this is like a championship lo- roster that needs to be unlocked by better coaching philosophy, I just don't buy into. The most important thing you can do is have a good roster, and the Blazers will have a decent a decent roster, they're going to be a decent team, and they might even be better than last year. More aesthetically pleasing, just like all around better. They might be better on offense, better on like maybe not ranking wise because they're very good last year on offense, but like a, a smarter, better, more sustainable offense and a better defensive team. And it, it's only going to take you so far. The Billups will help, coaching helps, Um, but but the Blazers haven't sort of answered the fundamental thing, which is, do they have a championship caliber roster? To be fair, I don't think many people saw Golden State as what they were before it happened, so you don't always know, but I... I feel like I got a better sense of what the Blazers are than the 2015 Warriors. Uh, And I'm willing to wager that this is a, this is a first round type playoff team again, even if it might feel better during the season due to a upgrade in the coaching. All right, let's come back in the second segment and answer more of your questions on this glorious mailbag Monday. But first let's talk about sweat block. It's been hot this week in Portland. It's probably been hot everywhere. We're getting in the, the, the deep, deep days of summer. The final the final days before you maybe go back to school yourself or your kids go back to school. It is still summer out here. So you probably have some sweaty days. But if you are someone who perspires a bunch, even on these non-sweaty days, maybe the sweat block wipes could be for you. They're doctor-created and doctor-recommended. And here's how they work. You just put them on. You, you wipe them on your body right before you go to bed. Go to sleep. Wake up. Start your next morning like you would. Take a shower, wash your face, go about whatever your daily routine is. And guess what? You're not going to sweat because Sweat Block gives you the dry shirt guarantee. If your shirt isn't dry, you're getting your money back. This has been a best-selling product on Amazon for over a decade. It's got 13,000 reviews. So if you want to read a whole bunch of people who have tried this product, check them out on Amazon. If this sounds like something for you, well... Let me point you in the right direction sweatblock.com and use the promo code while you're checking out Locked On, and they will give you 20% off your order. It's also available on Amazon, or if you want to go check it out in person, it's available at most CVS stores. Today's show is also brought to you by Indeed. If you are hiring or just trying to find the short list of quality candidates, you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Attract, interview, and hire. That's it. That's all you need to do. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of that in one place. Even the interviewing part. Don't just hope for your perfect candidates. Indeed, hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and hire smarter. In fact, Indeed's Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. That is instantaneous results. So with Indeed assessments, Indeed assessments, you can choose from 135 skills tests to help you make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. Plus, according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites. So, what what else could you need? Get started on right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Right. let's keep it rolling on this glorious mailbag monday shout out to dre slaps who makes the music for this program that you're hearing under my voice right now dre's got a new album out energy uh check the link in the subscription to this very episode to buy some merch or or purchase the album support local music appreciate you Dre. our next question comes from Ripcity_Tdub underscore t-dub at City underscore t-dub on twitter who asks given the current roster would you rather include Ant or Nas in a trade package? We have reached the trade portion of the show. This middle segment's gonna be all about trades. A lot of people asking um, about Anthony Simon and <laughs> Sir Little and in regards to trades because, folks, those are the two young prospects that the Blazers could trade to upgrade a veteran roster. We've made it. So Rip City underscore T Dub. Um, I think based on the roster alone, you would say Nizir Little, right? Because the Blazers, while they do have a bunch of minutes being soaked up by guards, like Damon C.J. going to play a bunch, Nolan Powell's going to play a bunch, even if he's going to start and play a, a significant portion of his minutes at small forward, uh, you're just, you need another guard. Like you need a fourth guard and they don't have that on the roster. And the Blazers kind of have a lot of dudes who are wings, like I guess the Blazers have Ben Mclemore, right? But um, if you're there, you're in a you're in a tough spot. But the Blazers seem to have a lot of like you know w- wing types: Derek Jones Jr., uh, Tony Snell. They can both they can both play that spot. And as your little's going to compete for minutes at that spot? Robert Covington is gonna, couldn't bounce between the three and the four. Like you have more, you seem to have. More and if Norm's going to play, you know, start and play a bunch of those minutes, they're like, you seem to have more spot, more people in front of Nas, I guess, on the depth chart, so it would make sense to change him. But I it depends on what you're getting back like if you're if you're trading for a for a four and maybe you maybe it is not to trade but if you're trading you know um you're trading for another like an upgrade at your fourth guard spot or like a true true point guard to kind of uh, take some of the duties out of um take some of those you know playmaking duties out of uh, CJ McCollum and Norman Powell's hands on the second unit then then maybe it does make sense to trade um to to trade ants like I think ants have been more productive i'm probably in this exact moment as we stand here today more intrigued by naz's future because i think the defense and that athletic versatility that he offers could be sort of um makes him like a could make him a more valuable role player and i don't see either of them as as like true stars but buckets are, the, are buckets remain the most important skill in the league getting buckets and ant can really really shoot it so he's been more productive and probably is better at one thing than Nas is right now so um i think if you're trading ants you're uh, it's i think you trade Nas because of the ro- like roster alone based on your question but I think Ant's a better player as we stand here today uh, but you're trading for potential so I think other people might agree with me that Nas is the guy all that is to say as I've hopped on either side of the fence and laid down and took a middle on this bad boy is you figure out what your trade partner wants you upgrade the roster and don't hesitate trading either of them if it makes the team better because the goal is to get good now unless of course Dame leaves and then you want them both and the goal is to get good in two years Next question comes from Alex Duncan at Alex P. Duncan on Twitter, who asks, Let's assume the Blazers are wanting to make a big trade, but willing to wait for the trade deadline. Thoughts on the potential rise in tradable players' value, like CJ McCollum or Amphrey Simons? Hayden at Hayden Technic asks, You think the odds are Neil waits for the trade deadline when teams are more desperate to make a deal? Yeah, I think both Hayden and Alex have kind of hit where, we are at, where we're at. The Blazers are going to make a minor move the rest of the summer. They're going to side someone to either a portion of the taxpayer mid-level exception or more likely a minimum contract. They're going to roll in as, a, as a, like a low-level tax team with avenues to get below the tax if they make the right kind of trades. I'm looking at you, Derek Jones Jr., um, and and they're going to try to do what Neil does best, which is make minor moves around the trade deadline to make the make the roster make a little more sense. Now, it's his roster he built, and it doesn't make sense because he built it in the summer in a bad way, but he's been really consistently pretty good about making in-season trades and making the team a little bit better with those in-season trades. I think that's the move. In terms of rise in tradable players, I don't know that CJ McCollum can hurt his, other than health, hurt or, or really increase his trade value. Now, if he plays like he did at the beginning of the season when he was just absolutely nuts last year, if he puts that up for... Uh, four months into February then we'll talk we'll have we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it he was incredible over the Blazers first 15 games then he got hurt and then it was um, he wasn't as good when he got back he just never was as good whether it was health related as, as, as some have speculated um, or he just you know the averages catching up with, you, with your boy. Um Anthony Simons can get better. Like he has so he can improve so much. He's still super young. Um He doesn't have a lot to his game. He's basically just a spot up shooter, just a one dribble or spot up shooter. Like any, any new wrinkle he adds to his game, like greatly, greatly increases his, um, his, his trade viability and his, and his sort of his appeal on the, on the market. I think um, he's the one you want to watch. Carl Jung socialite at John Baliozos on Twitter. I'm going with two L's. Is a is the Spanish Y, but I might be wrong. John, you can let me know. Realistically, Carl Jung socialite asks, realistically, what would successful seasons for Ant and Nas look like? I think it's the same for both of them. The same for both of them is that they play because they're too good to sit. Um, this is this isn't like. Anthony Simons' averages 15. I'm not putting a number on it. I'm saying every single night, Anthony Simons has to play because he's too good not to play. And same with Nazir Little. Like, the question gets pushed down the line. What do we do with Tony Snell? What do we do with Derek Jones? What do we do with whatever minimum forward they sign coming up here? Because they're the ones who are question marks. Naz isn't a question mark. Naz plays every night. And he plays every night because he's too good to sit. No debating, no matchups, no nothing. Like, Oh, this dude's good. We have to get him in the game. Like that's that's how the sort of decision making has has to be. That's what's successful for him. Is that Billups billups has seven dudes or i guess eight if i think cody zeller's gonna play every night like eight dudes who absolutely check the box no matter what they're gonna play because these are our eight best players and then he's deciding nine and ten every night like i think that's that's a successful season for nas and ants if there are nights when you're like i don't this isn't an ant night i mean not that he can't have any bad nights but you know like oh this is a bad matchup for him or oh it's like you know they don't need more shooting they need more defense type of thing like if it becomes that it's not a successful season he needs to be so good that he has to play and he has to play against every single team next question comes from anti underscore wiper underscore society that's at anti wiper on twitter who asks who are the top three players portland can realistically get for a derrick jones jr plus first round pick package larry nance jr terrence ross and when will this trade finally happen two things if i knew when these trades were going to happen i would quit this podcast and i would gamble uh I've covered the team for for a long time um, at varying degrees of proximity. I, I know people in the league. Like I, I got a I got a good sense of what's going on. I feel confident saying that. Uh, but I don't. If I knew the timing of these deals, um, I would just I would just you know post up on uh, BetOnline.ag and and make it happen. Like <laughs> I would just cash in. So I don't know timing. Um, I I think the as as other question askers have have alluded to in this segment. Hence the order of these questions the trade deadline is what to look out for. Um, you know, it could happen b- before that, depending on sort of the how the Blazers start this season. Uh, on your bingo card, the Blazers haven't talked about getting out to a good start this season. When they do, be sure to mark out that square. They've already talked about playing faster and being better on defense. Those squares should be marked out on your off-season bingo card right next to adds 10% of, of muscle, 10 pounds of muscle rather, and gets in the best shape of your life. But yeah, I, I mean... This original question included the name Josh Hart who, who signed, re-signed with the uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans, 3 for 38. Good for both teams. Josh Hart's good and it's good to have him back, you know, good to keep your good players who are already on the roster if you're in New Orleans. Good way of doing business, I guess. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. seems seems like a good one. Terrence Ross seems like a good one. Uh, I would throw Lowry Markkinen. I think those are probably the three most targetable names. You know, Ross, a veteran with, with years left on his contract on a team that's just heading the other direction age-wise, heading into like a full rebuild and he's the last one left. He's Will Smith, you know, waiting in the Bel Air mansion. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., apparently tradable. He's good. In fact, I got emails from both listeners, Alex and Elliot, who both sent me kind of like elaborate uh, Larry Nance Jr. trade ideas. I answered one last week that was uh, Derek Jones Jr., Nas, and a second for Larry Nance. That's as, or a protected first for Larry Nance. Like, that's the best trade I've seen for Larry Nance Jr., neither Alex or Elliot. Um, Both, both those offers were too rich, and I didn't want to hit you with a hell knock, because I know you're, um, Either first time or new 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 question askers to the show. Don't, you know, I don't want to be mean to new listeners, but the, the we, last week's mailbag had the best Larry Nance trade package and I do think this is a name that keeps popping up with Blazer folks and I'm with it Larry Nance is a name I, I like I think he can play four and five he can really pass he can defend he's cool like he's he's got a cool personality um like yeah I'm I'm with it I'm with it so I think those are the three I think those are three names to know like I think Larry Markin has to be a name to know I'm not a marketing guy but I think I think Nance Ross and Markin are the sort of level of like Derek Jones plus draft pick type of trades you can get. I think you nailed it. Anti wipers society. Next question comes from Eli who asks how low in the standings and at what point do the Blazers pull the trigger on a trade? How high in the standings for them not to, and to truly run it back the whole way with our solid team. You know, if they're like fourth in the West, I don't think there's any reason to scrap it. And I don't think they will. I, that's, that doesn't seem very likely to me if they're struggling around, you know, Christmas is about 30 games in typically thir- thir- somewhere between 30 and 35 games in, uh, if they're bad then they'll start to make it happen it's just other teams have to be willing to to deal for it to happen like you know it's um it takes it takes two to tango as they say so it's not all just like okay blazers are desperate now now press trade button like the rest of the league has to have to figure out what they want like what's happening in cleveland with with their situation does it make sense to go ahead and move off uh, Larry Nance. Then, like, what's what's happening with with Orlando and Ross? Do they just need Ross for veteran leadership, and they don't want to trade him for um, for whatever package? Like, you know, it's I, it's more than that. Um, I do think if they were bad, the Blazers will make an aggressive move. Um, if they're struggling, the Blazers will make an aggressive move. I think that's. I think that's a fair guess, you know, a la the Mason Plumley for, for Yusuf Nurkic swap. But I think the trade deadline is to look for it. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're a below the playoff line team, it, it's going to get much dicier than like trade for Trevor Reza. Like it's going to be dicier than that. Um, and y'all know what that means. Oh, if you don't, <laughs> maybe you're new to the program. It means that Damian Lord is going to, the, the Damian Lord stuff is going to get loud. Like if they're bad, it's going to get loud loud, loud, loud. And it's, it's, it's going to come from him and his camp sneakily. It's going to come from every writer in Philly and Berman of the Post in New York. Like it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be, ve- the rumors are going to get very loud of the Blazers struggle. So the best way for this to be an enjoyable season is for the Blazers, as Eli mentioned, to be solid, so- solid. That's the drama free. That is the direction towards drama free. All right, let's close out the show in the third segment. But first, let's talk about Rock Auto, our title sponsor for this episode and a longtime sponsor of this program because you can save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. There are so many makes and models of cars, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts stores to stock everything you need. So why endure that pointless and often intimidating questioning of, Hi, I drive a 2008 Subaru Outback, and my power steering pump is leaking fluid. Do you have like no? Just, just let it go. Let it go. Go to RockAuto.com. Save yourself time. Save yourself money. And it's a place that is is just been serving has been serving do-it-yourselfers for, for 20 years. So they're they are a business designed to help you. Dear listener, so go explore their easy-to-use website. Find the solution to your auto part needs. That's rockauto.com. Check it out right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is just the best-tasting protein bar ever. That's what it is. That's what they're doing. They're making delicious bars. Uh, There's something for everyone. Whatever your palate is, you'll be able to find a flavor that matches it. But if you don't know what you like, or if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box. You'll get two of each of their flavors, of their available flavors right now. And try them all, find out what you like, and then keep it moving and order some more once you know what you love. Because you'll love these bars. And you'll love them not only because they've got the best flavors and they're the best tasting, but because they're healthy too. Check out the macros, y'all. 17 to 18 grams of protein in these bars, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and no more than 5 grams of net carbs. Look at any other protein bar on, on the shelf when you're shopping somewhere or online if you're if you're if you're a, a digital shopper. You're not going to find protein bars that that match up to these macros. Deliciousness aside, like these taste great, but you're just you're just not going to find the trade-off for calories and protein. So, don't, don't look for an alternative. Go to built.com, use the promo code locked15. You get 15% off your order. That is promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to locked on blazers we're still rolling through mailbag monday let's close out the show with more of your questions this next one comes from jeff n that's like our 18th jeff listener this pop this podcast extremely popular with jeffs i don't even need to look look at the analytics on this one jeffs jeffs love this show they love this show tell a jeff in your life about locked on blazers because chances are jeff will will just dig the show they want to be involved jeff n asks did I read and interpret it right, that our new head coach Chauncey Billups will be cutting down a lot on p- shooting three-pointers? As of late, what have the Blazers ranked in a three-point shooting, and are we capable of changing the way Portland plays basketball? Last season, the Blazers took the second most three-pointers in the league, 40.8 per game, uh, just ahead of the Rockets, who took 40.6 and just behind the Utah Jazz, who shot uh, 43 a game there's a couple things going on here. Uh, one, I think the initial comments from Chauncey was like, he said something like, I don't want to be someone who, uh, who just shoots 53 pointers a game. Uh, and, and I think that was a response. That was kind of a like, um, not like a attack of the previous coaching staff, but like a way of, of saying like, I watched the Blazers play last year. Sometimes they just took a bunch of hard three pointers. They just they they just settled for threes. And I want to be a little bit different. Like I think he was differentiating himself with that comment. And in fact, in a later interview with Aaron Ventris of the Oregonian, he said that like he's okay, he's totally comfortable with taking forty threes a game, which is exactly what the Blazers took last season. So. um I don't know, panic averted the, those sort of four or five days in between those two quotes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if people were worrying, but it was like, it seemed like, wait, is are we anti-modern? We're like pro NERC post-ups and anti taking three pointers. When you have Dame CJ, Anthony Simons and Norman Powell on the team, like what, what exactly, what exactly is happening? Um, but but I think Chauncey clarified, and then he went on to say like he, he really wants to generate the best threes. Like the Blazers were really low in corner three-point attempts last in the league last year in, in attempts per game. They just didn't generate a bunch. So it's like more like, how can we generate easy looks? more catch-and-shoot looks for both Dame and CJ, more catch and shoot looks for guys like Ant and Norm. You know, Ant is an elite catch-and-shoot shooter, one of the best and the absolute best in the league. Like getting him more clean catch-and-shoot looks is a great way to juice the offense. So um I think I don't think uh, I don't think Blazers are going to drastically change the way they play. Like I think they're still going to shoot a ton of threes and, and, and Damon and CJ are going to carry a bunch of the load. It's just how they generate those looks will change. If the Blazers shoot more corner threes, they're going to be better. Um, they're going to be, they're better and smarter. I think they can play a lot of smaller lineups where they have five out and move guys around. I think um, it'd be really curious to ha- see how Billups and, and company use, use use of Nurkic to leverage, you know, better and easier looks all over the court. Like, yeah. Um, The Blazers don't have a lot of dudes who get into the paint easily and then facilitate out of there. So the idea is good, but the execution is, like, that's where the creativity of the coaching staff comes. Like, can they overcome some of the limitations of the roster? I think that only goes so far, but I... am like everything Chauncey Billups has said, like all of his like talking basketball stuff, it's what you want to hear. He's like, I joked about the bingo card, but he's like, he's, this is what you want to hear from a new coach. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't like gone full Jim Boylan where he's talking, um, where you where you know there's some nonsense buried under there. Like he's been, he's he's saying the right things. He seems to have a philosophy that is, that is good and modern and smart and what you want to hear if you're a fan of this basketball team. Rip City at Justin underscore B underscore leak on Twitter asks, how much difference do you think having a longer off season for everyone, except Dame full training camp and more recovery day between games next season versus the impact of these factors may have had last season with a compacted schedule. Uh, I don't think it'll make a difference for the Blazers specifically because everyone dealt with those issues last year. I, all of the teams had compacted schedules and terrible travel schedules and COVID protocols and then COVID outbreaks and, and all of those things. Um, I think the I'm hoping the quality of basketball is better this regular season, but I don't think the Blazers will be. I don't think they were specifically like more hurt by the schedule cramp than anyone else last year. It's the whole league, the whole league dealt with it. Next question comes from Logan Gillis at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who asks which former Tar Heel could help the Blazers team the most by adding them to the current roster in the iteration they were as a player in their final season at UNC, I'm going to say big smooth or Brad Doherty. Big smooth is uh Sam Perkins for those of you who maybe not as well versed in the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's basketball team. Brad Doherty former number 1 overall pick for those of you who, uh, who maybe were born in the 2000s. Uh I think it's I think it's Sheed like like that's an easy one, but I think it's like I think Rasheed Wallace, you know, in 1995 was an elite defensive player. Like he was such an elite uh, defender in college, and I think the the like the way the game works now, Sheed would play a ton of center, and he would be a monster floor spacer defender. If you could just tweak him, the you know, to use that aggression to be an offensive force, like Sheed is, sheet is exactly exactly what this team needs. But like big. Sk- you know uh, Perkins like a a skilled big he wasn't really a shooter until later in his career he always shot a little bit but he late in his career and late like with those Sonics and those Pacers teams like he bombed threes like a big man and Doherty was like a more traditional skilled inside player I don't think he's not my choice but he was really freaking good Next question comes from Rado in the Burbs, who asks, I saw recently that the Portland-based head of Adidas North America recently resigned to move back home to New Zealand. Given what we know about the shoe companies and their influence in sports business, what kind of role might have, that have played slash be playing regarding Dame's situation? I mean, a little bit, right? A little bit. But not not that much. Not that much. Dame signed a long-term deal. Um, he's not. He's not... the thing he probably likes about Adidas are the paychecks, not the executives. Certainly relationships matter in anything you're doing in business. But like the most important thing that, that Dame gets from Adidas is, is like the money and the, and the promotion. Like he, he jumped in line to be, um, to be the, a face of Adidas back in 2013. He leapfrogged over, uh, Derek Rose and Dwight Howard, great choice in hindsight by by the uh, Three Stripes. So I, I think it I think it probably makes some differences in terms of like how maybe his future with Adidas, but I don't think it makes much difference in his future with the Blazers because even if he played for the Orlando Magic, he would st- he would still be a signature athlete with Adidas, and those relationships with the executives would matter. Um, I think the proximity is. Is less important than 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 maybe uh, we're considering here. Next question comes from Pete, who asks if the Blazers need an end of the bench player who can play f- the four and the five. What about Myers Leonard? Yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, no. Sorry, Pete. Bishop Bullwinkle comes for us all. This next question comes from Mike Miller at Mike Two K Rip City on Twitter, who asks. With the way our roster looks right now, do you think Olshay was expecting Melo to come back and fill the po- bench power forward role again? No, not at all. Zero, 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 zero percent. Like, I think DJ and Snell are going to play backup four. I think Nas can play a little bit of backup four. Uh, I I think they're going to go... I don't think they're going to play two traditional bigs very often. Not that Melo was a traditional big, but, like, I don't think... The spot they're missing is, like, another five. Like, they're definitely missing... There's a huge hole at forward, right? They don't have anyone who's, like a like, a... A true power forward on the roster. I don't know that they need one. And Robert Covington is pretty close to a, to a power forward in the way that the league works now. Um, but I don't think... Mello doesn't seem to be the one who was going to answer the question. No, Mel, I, Mello was gone. They knew they needed... If, if they resign Melo, they probably had to create minutes for him. If they create minutes for him, they're gonna be bad on defense again. and they just I think they just made a decision. We got two years out of him and we got what we could, and we went another way. i don't I do not think Neil was banking on a Melo return. In fact, I think Neil n- Neil and knew that he was gone and and has acted according to that. Has it made sense? No, not really. Um, but I don't um I don't see the I don't think I don't think Melo was in the plans. Next question comes from I am Howlie at, BGr underscore Maui on Twitter, who asks worse value contract, CJ McCollum or Tobias Harris? Uh, Tobias Harris signed a huge five-year, $180 million contract back uh, in 2018 with the, with the Sixers. I, I think it's still him. I mean, the thing is that it's like contextual. Uh, CJ McCollum is a worse value contract for the Blazers than Tobias Harris would, because Tobias Harris would allow them to play. You know, he would he would change up the roster, and Norm would slide down to the to the uh, two, and you could play either cover or, or or Tobias at the three interchangeably, or you know, whatever Tobias could be a three on defense and a four on offense, and like you you could um, you know that the. the it's not just like a straight up who's worse, who's better value. Like it matters in context. Like I think Tobias Harris is probably less valuable for the Sixers because of the fit, weird fit next to Joel and, and Ben Simmons as the third guy, like as the third max guy, like it just, um, I think Tobias Harris, just because of the contracts a little bit bigger, but he's younger. I don't think he's better than CJ necessarily, but if you swapped them, I think they both be in better spots. Uh, It's, I think Philly would probably end up with the better end of that bargain because I don't know how much Tobias Harris, Norman Dame gets you close to a championship, but yeah, like, uh, it's not one-to-one. I don't think these contract things are one-to-one, although that's how we tend to talk about them. And I'm sure other people who are, um, smarter at sort of cap stuff and overall valuation stuff have a deeper opinion than me. But to me, it's, it's Tobias by a little bit, but, um, the situational stuff is really important. Kelly Lewis at KB Lewis14. I meant to put this in the other area, but I, put, I meant to put it in segment number two, but it slipped down to segment number three. My apologies, Kelly. Kelly asks, who do you predict having a bigger breakout this season, Ant or Nas? I'll go Nas. I'm really skeptical of that prediction because like I said Ant's already good at something like he's already a good really good shooter a valuable skill in the league like that that's important that matters but I think we haven't seen much from Nas and so the improvement will be more dramatic and so that's why he's my breakout pick vegan mindset coach at mindset vegan on Twitter asks what's your opinion of the Dame shoe line which one are your favorites I'm a Dame four guy uh, I didn't wear the first three shoes I really didn't like the first um, I didn't like two and three at all the ones were kind of exciting but I didn't like two and three at all. Uh, I have two pairs of the fours. Uh, One of them I got from uh, an Adidas friend and I like them so much that I went and bought my own immediately thereafter because I knew I wanted to play basketball in a bunch. They're one of the best basketball shoes I've ever played in. Uh, I also own a pair of Dame Sevens now, or excuse me, Dame Sixes rather, and they're pretty good, but they are not the Dame Four. That's the best. That is his best hooping shoe, I think, by a, by a pretty wide margin. Next question asks, or next question comes from Tanner Russ at Tanner Russ Seven on Twitter, who asks. If the NBA did away with conferences and just did a straight table like the English Premier League, do you think the Blazers, ch- do you like the Blazers' chances in the postseason more or less? Well, I don't know how the playoffs would work, right? Um, but I think the Blazers are something like the eighth to twelfth, eighth to fourteenth best team in the NBA, something like that. Uh, so yeah, I think they make the playoffs regardless. Like I think there's really, I think there's like eight, seven or eight really good teams in the West, and there are four really good teams in the East. So, like, then the the crunch becomes like I think Memphis is better than some of those other teams in the East. Like, I don't, um, I know the Knicks were really good last year, but I like, um, if they had played the Western Conference schedule, what what would that have looked like? Um, you know, obviously the Lakers weren't in the picture in uh in that top half of the picture for a bunch. Like, I'm I'm projecting them to move up. Uh, I'm maybe not a big believer in what Chicago did this off season, so I don't think they're gonna like. I don't think this would impact the Blazers. I think they would be. I think they're sort of like. It would make their chances to make the playoffs something like 85%, and maybe as they currently stand, they're something like 60% in the West. Final question of the show comes from Hog Rider at Saul Longwood, maybe Sal Longwood on Twitter, who asks, do you have any pets? And if so, are they named after any former Tar Heels? I do have a pet. I have a cat. His name is Dr. Coyote. Uh, I I don't have any others, and I never had had a had a pet named after a Tar Heel. But you know who does? My sister. Uh, my sister has a dog named Marcus Page. That's how real this Carolina basketball stuff is in my family. That's how much. That's how blue my blood is. You don't know who Marcus Page is? Well you would have if the 2016 NCA championship had gone a little bit different. Shout out to Bryce Johnson. Both you and Marcus deserved a ring. All right, enough Carolina sadness. They came back and won the next year. Apologies to Zach Collins. All right. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag, two ways to do it. Tweet at me at Mike Rich on Twitter or send me an email locked on gmail.com. We got more shows coming this week. Uh, still trying to nail down an interview. I teased it last week, but, uh, it's summertime y'all people got busier schedules it's a little bit a little trickier than when we're locked into the nba season so hopefully i'll have that one for you and i'll either tease it for you in the next episode or it'll just be the next episode depending on how these things work uh this is a great time to tell your friends about this podcast uh tell them they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts just search locked on blazers will be there waiting for you appreciate you listening talk to you soon